Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. Kev, it's been a while since we've last spoken on here publicly. Um, it's been three games now since since we did our last pod. And the Sixers, they won the first game and then they surprisingly dropped the last three games or two games, sorry. And, um, I mean, they might have been the worst losses of the season. One and two, bang, bang. Yeah, it's definitely up there. It's a shame that we're still talking about this series because, in reality, it it should be over. We should be talking about whether the Sixers are going to be playing Brooklyn or Milwaukee at this point. Being up 18 in game four and then being up as much as 26 on your home court in game five that is without a doubt the worst loss of the season that might be the worst loss in you know the past three to five years to be honest and now it's things are getting really dicey I mean the Sixers now backs against the wall Atlanta game six and everyone I feel like is completely split on how this thing is really going to play out but yeah definitely two very very ugly losses yeah game four I I mean halftime. So I was I was at State Farm Arena. Fans are I mean Atlanta fans were like defeated at halftime game four. I saw some of them taking they they gave out shirts before the game. Some of them were taking the shirts off like I'm not wearing this anymore. Um, they had fans behind me and they're just like oh here we go again blah blah blah. They thought you know it was it was blowout time and halftime. I'm thinking. This is going to go back game five in Philly. Sixers are obviously going to win at home. And then, yeah, that's it. Four to one. Like that's, that's how it's going to end. And then obviously Hawks make a, a really good comeback. That's the thing. Like when, when I talk about this, it's, you think about the last two games and you're like, the Sixers shot themselves in the foot. They lost this game. And that's true. But at the same time, I don't want to take away from the Hawks because this is a team that is young and inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs they should be the team that maybe gets up big and then blows a big lead. Not the team that has been to the playoffs, you know, a few times over the last few seasons. So credit to the Hawks for coming back, but the Sixers have just, I mean, they've imploded the last two games and there's just no other way to put it. I mean, these, this is a team that shouldn't be having these same problems. Everyone thought Brett Brown's out of here. These problems won't happen again, but it's just a common theme. And it, and it also doesn't help that Doc Rivers has this kind of reputation himself. So the common theme continues and the Sixers are backs against the wall going in the game six in Atlanta. Who is to blame for them being in this situation right now? I think it's, it's way too much to put the blame on one singular person or thing, especially with the way that game five collapsed. That tip, that isn't just one thing or person going wrong. That is multiple things snowballing and turning into an avalanche. So obviously Tobias Harris completely regressing is a, a major fright, I would say. 
I mean, he went two of 11 in game five and, and towards the end, you know, early on in the regular season, we were talking about Tobias Harris potentially as a closer. He hit a lot of big shots, whether the game winner against the Lakers, his overtime performance against Utah and just the emergence that we saw of Tobias Harris this season. And even early on in the playoffs, it really looked like he was a new guy. And in game five, it looked like the Tobias Harris that we saw in the bubble against the Celtics in round one. Couldn't really buy a bucket. It hit a point where he didn't even really want the ball in his hands. They were just throwing it around like a hot potato. The Ben Simmons free throw mess. I mean, it. He, you can't even leave him on the court at times now. He it, it, He's so mentally psyched out. He's almost petrified to go to the line. He's bringing the ball across half court, giving it up to somebody else. And pretty much it's back to the old days where everyone talked about the Sixers playing four on five. And then the Doc Rivers rotations. I mean, you're up big in game four or at game five. I mean, I get wanting to get your stars off their feet, but after surrendering the lead in game four, why not leave them out there a little bit longer? Make sure you have a fully in the bag. You bring in the bench unit with Tobias Harris, who, like I said, was already struggling that night and they completely squandered the lead. And then the momentum shifts. And like I said, it's multiple things that snowballed into an avalanche. And honestly, there's blame to go around throughout the entire team. Definitely. Yeah. This, I mean, these two losses are exactly what you think of when you hear team loss. Like you can't look at one person and say like, it's not his fault or it is his fault. It's everybody's fault. Cause even, I mean, and, and I hate to point this out. This is like one of the least of the, you know, big problems, but Joel looked bad in both fourth quarters in those games. So even the guy who really has like destroyed the other team in this series, there are times where he looks bad too. And he's starting to, you know, hunt for fouls and, and he's not putting up real shots. He's just looking for the foul. This is the playoffs. They're not calling that all the time now. So then the offense just gets out of rhythm. And then, like you said, Ben Simmons free throw shooting, you know, they, they either send him to the line and he misses or they send him to the line and, and the offense slows down and they can't find a groove. So, I mean, wow. It's just, there's so many factors that, that go into these losses and it's, it's actually unfortunate that there's not one thing that you can pinpoint for these losses because they have a lot to figure out before tonight. I mean, we're recording this on Friday. It's like 10 in the morning. And like, I don't know what needs to change. Like, I, I guess you can get off to your same first half start, but what do you do in the second half? And, you know, you brought it up and said, maybe he should have left the starters out there for a little bit longer. And it's wild because as I thought about that, when Joel and Ben and all of them were coming off the court, during um game five loud ovation everyone's applauding you go on social media everyone's saying get joel out and don't put him back in you know he's got a hurt knee blah 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 and at first i was just kind of like yeah you know everyone makes a good point but then i thought about it yesterday and i was like you know what look at the brooklyn nets james harden i mean does that guy even have a hamstring right now no, he's playing he's- over 40 minutes yeah it, Kevin so Durant coming off the torn Achilles. He in the past two games now he's played 88 of a possible 96 minutes, including the full 48 in game five. That's exactly so. It's it doesn't matter when it comes to playoffs, it doesn't matter. And this is why I think it's so frustrating to watch the Sixers as they play with these 11 man rotations in the playoffs. There is a reason why you can get away with that in the regular season, but not in the playoffs because these games matter. Each and every game matters. So 
trying to do the whole old school load management thing in the playoffs really is a joke and it makes Doc Rivers look terrible. And I, I don't know, just as I watch the Nets, I'm like, this is why, you know, I, I mean, they, they weren't, you know, blowing a big lead against Milwaukee, but they were trying to do all they could to win a game. And James Harden, who probably shouldn't even be playing right now, is playing over 40 minutes. And the Sixers refuse to do that with any of their players, even the ones that are healthy. Ben and Tobias, me and you said it. They should be playing 40 minutes. They're not. And then there's Joel, who unfortunately is playing on a torn meniscus. But if you're if you're playing, you're on the court, you should be playing. So I don't know. I, I think that's the most frustrating thing to watch when you when you uh, take these last two collapses into account. I mean, I, I agree completely. Obviously, people have talked a lot about the past of Doc's reluctance to adjust and such. And if you look at the other side of the bracket, you know, a lot of people said that, so, that same thing about Mike Bootenholzer and his long rotation. You know, that was something that people criticize him still for. Both Brooklyn and Milwaukee realized how weak their benches were and completely just threw them to the side. Steve Nash played his bench for a total of their entire bench probably collected about 11 minutes between five to six guys. I mean, Kevin Durant's going the distance. James Harden's going the distance essentially on one leg. Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, they're, they're rolling out their starters. Same with Milwaukee, Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, all playing north of 42 minutes. And as much as I want to say the Sixers should be doing that, the other part of me says, can they do it? You can't play Ben Simmons for 48 minutes right now. You just – you can't. Don't just be fouling him for 48 minutes. Exactly. How can you leave him – like if he continues to struggle from the line, how can you leave him out there for 48 minutes? Tobias Harris shooting 2 of 11 in game five. What's the difference between him playing – 38 39 to 42 43 minutes like as much as I want to say ride your starters I mean when two of your big three are struggling this mightily what really difference does it make rolling them out for big minutes so I mean it's tough I mean Seth Curry should probably go the distance he's played phenomenal he was really the only one that woke up in game five when Joel Embiid needed a little help it's a shame that him and Embiid combined for almost 80 and they lost could you imagine saying that three months ago that Curry yeah. and Embiid combined for 80? Someone would just assume that the Sixers won by 30 in that one. And yeah. not to mention, they were the only two guys who recorded a made field goal in the entire second half. That's terrible. Really let that sink in. How do you expect to win a playoff? This is a team with championship aspirations, and only two guys can record a made field goal in an entire half of a game it's like we said there, there's just so much to go around there's just so much going wrong right now and after how great this team looked in the regular season it's honestly remarkable how things are just falling apart yeah i mean listen they, they could win game six and we'll, we'll get into the predictions later but right now the sixers look like frauds they look like frauds they look like choke artists and i mean this is something that a lot of people really didn't see coming but i mean Going, going in the game six, like who needs to step up? Where, like, I, I guess you can sit there and say Ben and Tobias, right? Yeah, everyone needs to. Literally yeah. everyone from even Joel Embiid and Seth Curry, who were phenomenal in game five. Guess what? It is a do or die situation right now. Your literal season is on the line. This is a team that all year felt they were championship contenders. If you truly still feel that way now, go prove it. 
like you said, everyone thinks they're frauds right now. No one thinks that they can pull this out. Show everyone why you're the one seed. Show why, you know, you should have had multiple all-stars and an MVP on your team, top to bottom, from Joel Embiid all the way down to Tyrese Maxey if he sees time in game six. If you're a 76er and you step up on the floor in game six, you need to step up plain and simple. Yeah, this this is one of those games going into it now where – the Sixers, I mean, throughout the last few playoff runs, they didn't have championship veteran experience. This year they went out, they got Danny Green. Obviously, he's been a huge addition, not only because of him stretching the floor and being able to, to hit threes somewhat consistency, consistently. Um, he brings that veteran leadership. And Doc Rivers said it when he went out. Um, when he went out, he's the guy that when things start to go wrong and the team kind of starts to lose control, he's the one that can can be that calming presence. So obviously they missed him. Like this is something that, you know, these last two games, maybe Danny Green's presence on the floor. I know he was on the bench for the last game, but maybe his presence on the floor could have helped them out. But I mean, from your opinion, just how much do they miss Danny Green? I think they miss him greatly. I mean, we've heard Doc talk about Danny all season uh, of what he brings on the floor as kind of an emotional stabilizer. And even the guys have said it as well, that Danny Green has been a guy, he doesn't really get too high, he doesn't really get too low. And I think when, you know, these games start to go astray, they could really use him on the floor as just kind of like that flatliner. And even just a guy who could, you know, sometimes as much as we hate that, you know, dribble the ball down above the break three from Danny Green. Sometimes it goes in and you could use like just a small bucket like that just to get it going. So I think just his voice and his presence on the floor would have been a very nice stabilizer for the team in these two games. And I mean, because as much as we, you know, some might criticize Doc Rivers, I think he's still a phenomenal leader. And I think he's done a great job kind of willing this team to where they are right now, even though things look very bleak right now, he can only do so much as a leader from the sideline. Uh, they still need that leader on the floor. And I think that is where they miss Danny Green because that is where he falls in. There's a reason he's been a part of so many successful teams. He understands what it takes to win. He's been in every possible playoff situation. And now he's in a, a similar situation as Doc Rivers of, yes, he can still lead and he can still be a voice, but now it's simply from the huddles and timeouts and on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. And I actually, over the last day or so, I've been thinking about that this team doesn't have any really vocal leader. That's like, let's get things in line and let's calm down. Like that was Danny green. Now he's out. Joel Embiid always says, I, you know, I, I want to be the leader of this team, but when things go bad, Joel is not, a, not, not the greatest leader. Like I, I said it, I said it to you about game four. He struggled in the first quarter, like not, you know, statistically, they just like were wearing them down. And typically when he comes out for the first time in, in the first quarter, he goes and sits down in his cool down station and he's, you know, he's chilling, whatever. He came off the floor, lays on the court, and then looks like I don't even want to be here. Then the rest of the game, he's frustrated and yelling at the ref and yelling at the crowd and all that. That's your star player. You just lost him. Mentally, he's checked out. He's angry. And then we saw how he looked in the second half. So that's not someone that people can look to and, and be like, um, relying on this guy, Ben Simmons. Mentally, he's he's not there right now either. He already admitted that. Said I I'm struggling with my free throws, and it's all mental. How's that going to be your leader? You know, Tobias yeah. Harris. He's struggling. 
You can't be like, I'm going to follow this guy. Listen, Tobias, I think, is their best leader. Of those three that I just mentioned, he's the best leader. But the issue is it's hard to lead when you're not actually performing well. How are you going to tell somebody, hey, you got to step it up? They're going to be like, you got to step it up. I don't want to hear that from you. Tobias is a great leader, great vocal leader. But again, you got to lead by example. It needs to be Joel, but I don't think Joel has that when things are going wrong. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has it when when it's going right. That, that clip that went viral after Shake it that went on that huge run in Game Two to kind of you know right. play hero ball late. You saw him coming up off the bench, you know, being all excited in the huddle. But yeah, I agree. When when things have gone astray, I mean, it's tough to have that guy of you know who are we going to lean on, and you know they still have a vet like Dwight Howard on the bench, but. Dwight isn't really on the floor because yeah. Joel's your star player. So it really and let, let me let me say something about Dwight real quick too. Cause like again, he's he's been great and he, he spreads a good message throughout the team. But when he's on the bench, he's interacting with the crowd. There's not like Danny Green, watch Danny Green when he's on the bench. Yeah. He's talking to his players, telling them, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, blah, blah, blah. When it's timeout, he's going to the ref and saying, like, hey, you have to watch for this and blah, blah, blah. You look at Dwight, he's turned around. He's looking at the crowd. He's, you know, there's a video of him in Atlanta talking smack to somebody while he's, while he's sitting on the bench. And it's like, pay attention to the game. Who cares what the crowd's saying? They're going to heckle you because for whatever reason, they don't like you, but he plays into that. And like, it's funny and all, but when it comes to the playoffs and you're supposed to be the championship veteran leader, you know, heckling, heckling back at the crowd isn't doing anything for your team. Yeah, it's definitely not a great look. And, and I do completely agree. I think Danny Green has pretty much become a coach now since he's been hurt. I, we saw it a lot um, in game five where before the game even started, you know, he pulled for a kind of as aside as the stars were going on to the floor. Pretty much any time Matisse was on the floor, if there was a stoppage of play, Danny was in Matisse's ear, you know, giving him any words of wisdom of, you know, what he could see on the floor. But yeah, I mean, it's tough. At the end of the day, it really – it's a superstar-driven league. So, you know, your role players and your vets are nice. But at the end of the day, it has to come from the stars. And like we said, it's – you know, it really needs to come from Joel. But when things go astray, you know, he kind of gets caught up in himself as well. Ben Simmons is just a mess right now. And like you said, Tobias, great leader. But when you're struggling, it's hard to to lead when you yourself are still, you know, trying to get yourself going and have that that struggle on the floor. So it's they got to find it from somewhere. But it's looking very bleak of where it's going to come from now. Yeah, and they're not going to find it from from Danny's replacement, who was Furkan Korkmaz, which I you know I I, I understood starting Furkan. Um, when Danny went out, because obviously there were times this year when Furkan played in the starting lineup and he looked pretty good. He, he looked like, cause it, he didn't have to come in and say like, Oh, I got to hit all these shots. It was just kind of play within yourself. I think he plays pretty good next to Ben obviously hasn't been great these last two games. So at this point, do you shake up the starting lineup with just Furkan? I'm not saying like to have Ben Simmons come off the bench. <laughs> do you shake up the lineup? Do you take, Furkan out of there do you try somebody else in there what what do you think Doc Rivers should be doing right now it's tough because the in entirety I mean the whole second unit has really struggled even if they change it what real difference is it making at this point I would say the only 
maybe if you want to try and spice something up, you go with Shake and hope that he can get his offense going. Because I think if he can get his offense going on the court with the starting lineup, I think it makes them, you know, more of a threat. There's a reason why Shake was the, the guy who was inserted into the starting lineup last year. And I think more of that could happen this year of just with his ball creation on the outside. And if he can get hot, you know, we've seen in the past that he can go get 25, 30 points if he gets that shot going early. So maybe George Hill, but George Hill's kind of flatlined in the series, which has been kind of rough. But if you want the defense and maybe you can utilize him as a spot up shooter, then you could go with George Hill. But I don't know. Danny or Furkan Korkmaz is the, I would say, the most similar to Danny Green's player archetype in a sense, mainly offensively. Obviously, Matisse matches up more with him defensively. Hey, so you don't, you don't think Furk's good on defense? He's improved. He's been better. I think he's been better. He, he has. He has. He gives more effort, and I think he's definitely improved. He's definitely not as targetable as he was in the past, but you know, I think he just fits Danny Green's player archetype the easiest and that's what makes him the simplest fit in the starting lineup yeah i i agree with that i think if if they do shake it up oh that could have been that could have been good if i was going to pick a shake milton shake. but i'm not <laughs> if they do shake it up i i almost want to say george hill like you said he's flatlining though he's been very disappointing in this in this series i i think i said on our last episode that i thought he was going to have a much better game four and five and like he really has, I mean, this, the thing is you have them, you're going to use them and you want him to be useful. You think he can be useful. It's almost like, will putting him in the starting lineup kind of bring him back. Yeah, and that's right. what I would like to see because I, I mean, just shake really aside from that game where he was the unlikely hero it's still just, it's the same thing. Like it's, he just doesn't have it like right now in the playoffs. Like this isn't last year. Um, this isn't even the regular season when he was like playing pretty well. So I don't know. There's just something about shake on the floor. I think it's so funny. You pointed that out one time. You said something like, uh, do you think the Tyrese Maxi love kind of bothers him? And mm -hmm. Tyrese came into the last game and he didn't even get announced onto the court yet. He just like got up off the bench, started running to the scorers table and the crowd's already going nuts. Like there's a game playing, people mm -hmm. are cheering and it's like, what are they cheering for? They're cheering because this kid's coming off the bench and he's coming into the game. Shake Milton was already into the game. Tyrese comes on the floor and then all of a sudden it feels like Shake's trying to do too much. Shake's, Shake's trying to drive when there's really no lane like there's no open lane to drive he's dribbling too much he's trying to you know do the through the legs and all that so it's almost like now this guy can't get out of his head either because he's so worried about Tyrese Maxey taking you know whatever he had before so it's just like it's such a mess <laughs> like the more you talk about it it's just such a mess this team listen I mean I don't want it to be true but I think there really is there's some potential fact to that of Shake Milton was the golden boy last season. He was the one that everyone was praising and they begged to be in the starting. Basically all the same stuff that Tyrese Maxey received this year in terms of love and the, the way people begged for him for more minutes and to start that was shake last year. Everyone wanted him to be handed the keys. And now, you know, a year later, he's already pushed to a side for, you know, the, the newer, younger model. And I think that definitely gets in his head. Like you said, there, there's times on the floor where he just tries to do too much. And I don't know if, you know, he's frustrated just with the way he's played or the Maxi thing does play a factor or he's just trying so hard to get himself going because he wants to be 
like a beneficial factor to this team. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's been bad after the, what high hopes we had for Shea heading into this season. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is the game, obviously we already talked about it, but this is the game where you really don't bring it. Like if you're not going to play Tyrese for like serious minutes, no reason to even bring them out. Don't bring them out. I mean, you have to have somebody on the floor almost at all times from the starting lineup. Like someone needs to play almost this whole game. And maybe it's Seth Curry. Who knows? Because I mean, Jesus. But let's just let's applaud Seth Curry real quick because that my God, he's been so good. Like, is that Steph Curry? (laughs) (laughs) He's looked so good these last like I'm really the whole playoffs. Listen. At this point, I think it's safe to say that, you know, the other Curry plays for Golden State now. It's just he he is he is the Curry. (laughs) He is the Curry brother. Listen, what's Steph Curry doing right now? He's on Instagram posting pics with his family. Meanwhile, Seth, the original, the Curry brother is out here scoring 40 points in a playoff game. And I tweeted it during game five. It really hasn't felt like he missed a shot in weeks. It's, it's been incredible. He's completely shattered all expectations. I think heading into the postseason, when people talked a lot about X factors, even when I wrote my X factor article, I put him in there just because of the potential lift that he could give, but he has shattered all expectations. He has been nothing short of phenomenal. He's the, the team's third leading scorer in the postseason at just under 19 a game. His splits are his shooting splits are ridiculous. There was one I forget which game it was. It might have been game two, but he had like three or four threes that the net didn't even move. Like he is just yeah. stupidly locked in. Daryl Morey is a genius and should be tried for theft and highway robbery against the Dallas Mavericks for being able to turn Josh Richardson into Seth Curry. He also turned Al Horford into Danny Green, who the Oklahoma City Thunder turned Al Horford into Kemba Walker. Unreal. Woj bombs. Woj bombs for breakfast today. Yes, dude. <laughs> the past seventy-two hours of NBA news has just been incredible. Woj must be exhausted with all the stuff he has in his Twitter drafts right now. But yeah, definitely. The Woj bomb you didn't expect to see coming on a no. Friday morning when there's you know there's still playoff games to be to be gone about, but yeah, I can't wait for Presty to flip Kemba Walker into something of value because, like, I mean, we were texting about it earlier. Boston got fleeced. Like, oh my god, it's like I get it. Like you you want you want a big man or whatever, and like yeah. you love Al Horford, but did like he played okay say, in OKC? Well, like, man, he is just not – he's not Al Horford like that you had before. I don't get it. Maybe Brad Stevens just cherishes him in a way that, you know, other teams might not view because he coached him for years. But, yeah, it's rough. Not to mention Al Horford hasn't played in a year. I mean, granted, he's probably kept himself in good shape, but he hasn't played in a literal NBA game. And by the time next season starts, you know, it'll probably be 10, 11 months which I think will definitely play a factor. Not to mention Boston sent the 16th overall pick to OKC. So, you know, you're wasting yeah. a, a first round pick there as well. They got Moses Brown, who I think is a young stud and could potentially be the most valuable asset that Boston gets in this trade. But yeah, flip. I honestly feel like they could have done better for Kemba Walker. I don't know if it would have been much better, but I think they could have got something better in value for Kemba. 
Yeah. I mean, the, Oklahoma city, I mean, that's a great trade <laughs> for them. Hey, you get, you get draft assets, which they essentially traded Danny green for Kemba Walker. Yeah. Pretty Danny much. green on an expiring contract. Well, I guess, I guess this little uh, three-way trade works for everybody because the Sixers got Danny green, which was good. And then the Celtics got their, for whatever reason, golden boy, Al Horford back. And <laughs> That's a uh, so great, great Brad Stevens first deal. Also, Boston didn't want to pay Al Horford big money when he signed with the Sixers. And now here they are trading for him on that same contract. Like it's, it's, yeah, this league, man. Like it really is like it, it, this league, like you never, anything is possible. That's just a bad trade. But anyway, let's get, let's get off Boston. Well, first of all, I can't wait for next season when Alfred returns oh, yeah. to Philly because we we didn't get that this year. It didn't happen. Um, he was, I think, he was already sidelined. Yeah, for the he year, was already sidelined when it happened, and then obviously he he didn't even play in the the first game either. I think he no, something was going he, on. He's just he old. was like injured or something. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But yeah, he uh, that's going to be ridiculous. Like when when he comes back to to Wells Fargo Center, I don't even know if he's going to play. Because, like, it, it feels like he's dodging the Sixers right now. Because, like, that that fan base is going to be ripping him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From start to finish. Yeah, that's going to be bad. But let's, let, let's get back to the Sixers before we, we get out of here. It's a big game six tonight. It's do or die for Philly. Atlanta has a game that, you know, they, they could lose. And then it'll be game seven on Sunday. Kev, make your prediction for game six. So from the beginning, obviously, when we did our original series predictions, I said Sixers and seven, and I'm sticking with it, Okay, to be honest. Uh, these past two games have not looked great, but I still feel, although credit to Atlanta, I think they, they played phenomenal. They've showed a lot of fight. I think part of it's come from the fact that they're pretty much just playing on house money. If you think about it, you know, being the five seed and this young team with no real playoff experience, nobody was expecting them to come out of this series. So I think with all this confidence now, they're really playing with that everything to gain, nothing to lose mentality. But I still feel that the Sixers have lost more than the Hawks have won, if that makes any sort of sense. It does. But don't don't say that to Russell Westbrook, though, because he will <laughs> look at you like, what the hell is wrong with you? Do you remember that? <laughs> no. So when someone asked him, they were like, did you guys lose this game or did they win this game? And he was just like, it's, it's the GIF. It goes around everywhere. Like if you rewatch it, you'll be like, oh, that's where that's from. But yeah, don't, yeah. don't say that to Russell Westbrook ever. All right, noted. But <laughs> listen, the Sixers have shown for like 80, 85% of the series that they're clearly the better team, but yet somehow still find themselves down. And I think – you know, even with their backs against the wall, Joel Embiid Joel has said time and time again he wants to lead this team to a title and he's going to do anything in his power to do so. So I think they take game six in Atlanta. It's not it's not going to be pretty at all. They're going to win the series, but it's going to be the ugliest series win potentially in NBA history. And if you can just get it to a game seven on your home floor where, you know, it's, it's do or die one game, I think Joel Embiid could weld the Sixers to victory in a game seven, and I think that's how it's going to go down. Okay, so obviously you're a little more optimistic than I am. I think the series closes out tonight. Uh, I don't think it's not going to be like in blowout fashion or anything. Ugly game, just like you said. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, and and I could be wrong, but I think that the Sixers team really just are so down on themselves after dropping those last two games. 
I don't, they have shown nothing to me that they have the mental willpower to like go in and come back from something like that. I mean, this, this is, people are talking like this is the worst loss in Philly sports history. I don't know if that's correct because obviously I'm 27 years old. Like I, I, I'm not alive long enough to see all of these losses, but it was bad. Like, and that that's the type of, of losses that kind of kill your confidence. And then on the other side, that's the type of win for a young Atlanta team to make them believe like, listen, we can do this. We can knock out the top seed. We're going back home. And as much as people say that Atlanta has a bad fan base and they have no fans, they can't fill up the arena. People bought in this year, you know, bandwagon or not, doesn't matter. They're loud <laughs> and they're, they're proud and they're showing up and they pack the house. So I don't know. I mean, the Sixers can prove me wrong, but like I said, I think when, when things get down, you don't have Danny, like Danny Green's not coming out on that court and he's not calming you down. I think Ben Simmons is just so out of it right now mentally. I mean, he was defeated. Were you on his press conference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone was pretty much. I will say that Doc Rivers did keep his spirits high, but the, based on the players themselves of what we got from them after game five, it it was not pretty. Ben's confidence is shot. And I think I think part of that, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, obviously, because we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the series. But I think part of that is back in his head, in the back of his head, he might be thinking like, if this, if this ends here, this might be my time in Philly. Cause he said it at the beginning of the season, doc rivers um, told Ben and Joel sat them both down and said, do you guys think you can win together? They both say yes. Okay. Prove it because you don't have a lot of time to prove it. Daryl Morey already tried to trade Ben Simmons this season. If, if the Houston Rockets weren't being petty, Ben Simmons is at home partying, doing whatever he does in the offseason right now because he'd be a Houston Rocket. So I think he knows, like, if we don't get past the second round, you know, this is it. Like, me and Joel are split. So I think that might be in the back of his mind. Obviously, him not being good at shooting free throws is in the back of his mind. And, you know, we always say he's a petty guy and, and all that, but when you're – when your mentality is shot, it's hard for you to come out and really play aggressive the way your team needs you to play. And then obviously, do you get old Tobias Harris or do you get first round Tobias Harris? So I don't know. I don't think that they have it. I think that it'll be a close game, but I think that the series ends here and a lot of, a lot of tough decisions come in the off season if that happens. But We'll see what happens. So game tonight, we'll recap, you know, whatever goes down. Kev, drop your Twitter handle. Kevin MCC NBA. And mine's Jay Grasso underscore. Freshly verified. We didn't even talk about it. Uh, Justin, yeah. got, Justin got his check mark. I did get my check mark. Hollywood now. Not Hollywood. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing changes when you get the check mark. You get like a... a Congratulations, your verified uh, notification, Twitter verified account follow. I got an extra follower out of it, so hey, there's there's the plus. plus I, I wouldn't know. I'm still just a mere present, non-verified Twitter user. <laughs> it, maybe you get it one day, but um, yeah, I mean it's 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 verified. It is what it is. The literally the only reason why I wanted it 
was because I just remember like every now and then I'll stumble across Twitter, uh, Twitter, not Twitter, Reddit, Sixers Reddit, and somebody will like share a tweet of mine in there. And then there's like a sea of comments of like, who the hell is this guy? He's not even verified, blah, blah, blah. How am I supposed to believe what he's saying? Like he, he could just be taking this report and making it up and blah, blah, blah. So now it's like, cool. Now I got this blue check mark. Maybe what, that uh, respect on your name. Yeah, exactly. Like, sorry, God forbid. I'm, I'm actually like, you know, during a normal season in, in the locker room and sitting in the yeah. press conference room and on these zoom calls, but cause I don't have this blue check mark. I'm, I'm a fraud apparently. So it's just, that's, that's the plus side to it. Seems it. like you're taking this personal. I, I just laughed. Like I was that, just like, God damn. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that feels like there's a lot of pent up aggression there. Did Reddit get to no, you? I, is your no, confidence I, shot? I, I always stumble across Reddit every now and then. No, Could you hit confidence. a pair of free throws right now if we if we hack it, Justin? It's been a while. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I might have to bank one. My my shot used to be wet though. I used to have a wet shot. Right, These days though, I don't know. These days I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what the form is like. But um enough of me. Enough of me. Let's get <laughs> off it. We're, we're sitting here embarrassing me. Um We'll, we'll talk to you guys after game six. Maybe there's a game seven, maybe not. We'll see. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.